0: I just got to say, you guys are the best church ever, so hands down. Um, It is my privilege to introduce to you our guest preacher this morning. Um, He is a good friend of mine, and uh, we've been uh, cultivating a friendship for years now, and uh, very kindred in spirit uh, in terms of philosophy and ministry, and a passion particularly for this book, The Word of God. Um, Adam Miller is the president of Songtime Radio, but more than that, he is a passionate follower of Jesus who seeks to be led by the Spirit of God. And uh, I love the way that he carefully exposits the Scriptures. He takes us into the text, and he wants to bring out the the plain meaning of what the Scriptures say to us. So, um, it is my joint privilege to invite him up. If you would like to be in the text where he will be preaching from, you can turn to Psalm 107. Uh, If you did not have a copy of the Bible, there's a blue Bible the chair in front of you, and you can turn to page 506. Adam, please share the word with us.
1: Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It really is a great privilege to be back here with you. It's not my birthday, and it's not my half birthday, so I really don't know what to say about myself at this point. (laughs) It uh, seems, it always seems to fall on those special holidays for me, but uh, it is a really great privilege to be here to to share the Word of God with you. As Rob mentioned, I am the, the president of Songtime Radio. It's a radio ministry that's heard uh, six days a week here on the Cape on 88.3 at 7 in the morning. It's a real encouragement, especially when I get to see some of you that, that listen to the broadcast, because I don't get to see people when I'm in front of a microphone in the studio, so it's really encouraging to be able to interact with you and hopefully be an encouragement to you on a daily basis, but also even this morning as we delve into God's Word. Uh, turn in your copy of the Scriptures, just as Rob mentioned, to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. This will be our, our text for today. Every year I choose a different theme for our radio ministry. It's something we explore over the course of the entire year, and we'll build everything in our ministry is centered around that, our radio broadcast. Uh, our publications that go out every month, and even our conference that we'll have in the fall. They all center on the same theme because I really want to break down uh, a a biblical topic that is critically important. This last year, our theme was worship, which was really a lot of fun to explore and to delve into, understanding the complexity of our worship and what we were created for and what we as as the children of God are designed to do, the chief end of man is to to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's the reverence that we discovered this last year. Well, this year, here in 2018, I've chosen as our theme, as our topic, witnessing. Something that is an actual flow out of our worship. We see in Matthew 5.16 that they might see our good works, they you might see our worship and join with us in giving glory to our Father in heaven. That is our, our desire, is not just to worship God, but to let the world see our worship and join with us. Our motto at Songtime is many voices, one message, and that is our commitment. Our commitment is to present the gospel on a daily basis that so you can then orient your day to, you can orient your life around, and you'll have a gospel message that you can then share With those in your community. That's our mission. That's our purpose, and that's our commitment to you. If you're a regular listener, that's our commitment, to make sure that we present the gospel to you on a daily basis so that you will be encouraged, you'll be oriented to this truth, that then you can share that good news with the world in which you live. That is our heartbeat. That is what Songtime exists for. It's a mission, it's a ministry here in New England as we seek to spread the gospel in this growing mission field of the Northeast. So keep that in your prayers as you consider song time and as you consider me in your prayers. Pray for that mission. Pray for that vision to see the gospel spread through New England. Psalm 107. This is our theme for this year. Verse 2 is, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's all about witnessing, and it's all about proclaiming the good news of what Christ has done in our hearts and in our lives. Over the course of this study, I want to unpack this whole psalm. It's a long psalm, but what I'd like to do is read it now, ask the Lord's blessing upon it, and then delve into it to see its great truths for our lives, and hopefully encourage us to give testimony of the great things that God has done in our lives. So let's read Psalm 107 starting in verse 1. O oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands from the east and from the west from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes finding no way to a city to dwell in hungry and thirsty Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way, till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of men, for He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things." Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with their hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress." He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Some were fools to their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. And let them offer sacrifice of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. And He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that, that the waters were quiet, and they brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. They multiply greatly and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, Let him attend to those things. Let him consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let us ask for the Lord's blessing upon it and our study in this text and our seeking to see the gospel that would reverberate through our hearts and lives. Oh Father, we come before you because you are good. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. You are good in all of your ways. In everything you bring into our life, it is for our good that we might know more of your majesty, more of your glory and more of your grace. I pray that as we delve into this text, that our eyes would be open, our ears would be receptive to your word, that our hearts would be tender and that this word would penetrate bone and marrow to transform us into the image of Christ, that we would know more of what it means to be redeemed so that as we know of your grace, we know of your mercy, we know of your steadfast love that endures forever, we would not cease to declare this good news to the world in which we live. We pray all of these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. This first verse is a common verse. It's probably what you might consider the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. It certainly reverberates through the Psalms. Um, Last year, I preached Psalm 136. It begins the same way. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136 then unpacks what that means, to give thanks to God, because he is good. Uh, I'd love to share that text with you, but uh, unfortunately I'm, I have to focus on this text. I can't preach two sermons to you this morning, but for your own pleasure, go and read Psalm 136 to see what it truly means to give thanks to God because He is good. This is a verse that is shared throughout the Psalms, throughout the Old Testament, particularly the law that gives a testimony, a glimpse really of the gospel that is, is kind of hidden in its in its obscurity, but really to us who have understood the grace of God can see it in its full fleshing out and its working in our lives. Here is the question that we have before us today then. Do you think that God is good? Is God good? This verse, this psalm, begins with this great proclamation. Give thanks to God because he is good. The world has a hard time with this. There are two types of people. The religious people, they look to the story of the Bible and they see all of this harshness and complexity, and so what they do is they they put everything into a measurement. They create these rules and structures that they can then orient their lives to that really gives them this self-confidence to think, well, I'm really not as bad as my neighbor. right? So therefore, if God is good and I can measure up to what I envision God to be like, then therefore I must be good. The other person looks to these stories and they see these complexities, they see these harshness, and what they try is to try to mute the message of the gospel. And they they take God and they reimagine him in their own image as this sort of sort of fatherly figure that cares for you, wants your best for you, and they come before God in these ideas of God then serves them and their own well-being. They don't particularly want to be saved from their, their sin, they just want to be saved from their circumstances, and they see God as a means to their own end. But to do that, you have to reimagine God. To really truly understand who God is, you have to read the scriptures and see this God is not only loving in, in all of his ways, but he's also holy and just, and he can't tolerate sin. This presents for us a difficult conundrum. If God is holy and we are not, and we can't lower God to meet our standards, then we can't measure up to his where does that leave us? Can we truly say that God is good to us? This psalm takes us right to verse 2, which is really the reverberating theme in this psalm. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed, those who have experienced the grace of God, who truly know and can wrap their mind around the goodness of God, both His holiness and His love, let them declare this good news to a world who cannot comprehend it. This is where the Bible says that uh, the gospel, the good news that God and His holiness and in His love is good, is, is a stumbling block to the Jews, to the religious, and foolishness to the Greeks, the unreligious. But if this is the gospel that we use to orient our lives, then we must understand it in a world that is pushing back on Christianity, a world that is hostile towards our faith, how can we communicate the goodness of God to a world that can only see him as either harsh or powerless? This psalm gives us our marching orders. Verses 2 and 3 tell us, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the land's from the east and from the, the west and from the north and the south. We are a unique body, a unique congregation. We come from all different places. I come from the Midwest. Uh, Rob here is from the Midwest as well. But everyone comes from different places. But there's something that is unique that draws us together. There is a beautiful kind of brokenness to the church, where we all have different backgrounds, different pasts, different stories, and yet we are all coming together for one place, one purpose, and for the message that we all speak. Remember, our motto is many voices, many different backgrounds, but only one message. And this psalm then breaks down into about four stories, four scenarios that give us an understanding of the different sort of backgrounds that we all come from, but who we come to worship, and how our past, how we are saved and redeemed from our past, and given a future and a purpose in our life. Verses 4 through 9 give us our first scenario. It says some wander in deserts, in desert waste, finding no way to... A city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. This is a direct allusion to the people of Israel who spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness before they could come into the promised land, the city of God that was given to them as their inheritance. But for 40 years they wandered around wondering what God was going to do. And for many, this, this realization of wandering in darkness, in, in, in the wilderness, not even realizing the promise that is given or granted to us. Many have been in this sort of state. Perhaps you can relate to this, these ideas of being in a wilderness where you don't even realize what you're missing out on. You know, if you grew up in a wilderness, you probably wouldn't have a clear comparison as to the contrast of what you were missing out on. Uh, For a couple of years, I was a social worker, and I worked in the projects in uh, Pennsylvania. And I, I, I had one client who was 12 years old, and I wanted to help him think about how to build his life and get out of the projects, think about building a career. And one of the things he wanted to do was learn how to cook, and I used to be a cook. So I was like, this is something we can do. I'll orient my hours to be here every day around dinner time and we'll we'll cook. We'll work together and we'll we'll make dinner. Well, one day he wanted to make breakfast for dinner. Of course, you have to have scrambled eggs. And I got to tell you, I made the most pristine scrambled eggs I've ever made in my entire life. I mean, scrambled eggs are not that complicated, but these things were perfect gold. And with that that, that clear, glossy kind of... Uh, moisture, is just oozing off of it. I mean, these were the perfect golden eggs, scrambled eggs. And uh, I said, I, I was so proud. I'm like, this is how you make eggs, man. I mean, first try with you, and we did it perfectly. He's like, no, nope, they're not done. I was like, but these, these eggs are done. These are, the, these are the best eggs I have ever made in my life. He's like, they're not done. He's like, what do you mean they're not done? These are perfect temperature. because they're not brown. Oh. This kid had grown up his whole life eating burnt eggs. Of course, we uh, burnt the eggs and uh, he then smothered them with ketchup and uh, we didn't do breakfast for dinner anymore after that. But the point is, he couldn't even bring himself to taste these eggs because in his mind, they weren't normal. They weren't natural. They weren't the thing that he had always had. He had always had burnt eggs. That was normal to him. And for many of us, The life that we have lived before Christ, it was normal. We didn't even realize what we were missing out on. But your hearts, your souls, they hungered for something you could not even wrap your mind around. This is similar to what we see in the story of the woman at the well. She comes out to the well in the heat of the day. She comes out when no one else would even be there, to a well that no one else would even attend to. And she's acting as though she's totally self-confident when Jesus offered her living water. She says, sure, give me this water so I will never have to come out to this well again. But she missed what he was truly offering. She missed that he was offering her water for her soul so that she would never thirst again. There's a wilderness in this world. People wandering around blissfully unaware of what they are missing. The spiritual components to their lives that they cannot see because their eyes are blind to the truth. Their hearts are empty. Look at all of the celebrities who commit suicide. They have everything. The rich and the famous who are chasing after more wealth, more power, more security in this world. And the Bible tells us it's all fleeting. We're investing in the things that were moth and rust, corrupt. And those of us who have been redeemed know to invest in heavenly things that are secure in the hands of God. In this world, in their blindness to the truth, They don't even realize how emaciated spiritually they are. It says verse 6, they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. It is God who comes in as they cry out to Him, and He leads them to the place where they belong. Let them then thank the Lord for His steadfast love. He's faithful. You're wandering astray. And aren't we that way? So prone to wander. So prone to walk away from the God we love. But who is faithful but our great Lord who comes to us in our time of need and takes us by the hand and brings us back to the path in which we should be on. Give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love. Let them thank Him for His wondrous works to the children of men. For He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul He fills with good things. If you know the grace of God, you know that his plan for you, you know that his purpose for you, his city for you, he He lays out a table, a bountiful table before you so that you will never hunger. You will never thirst. But You must change your thirst then to hunger and thirst for righteousness because his plan, his will is perfect and it is good. For you, this world says it's too hard. It's too judgmental. You have to orient your life on all these things, and you have to eliminate the sin that's so pleasurable in your life, and who's even calling it sin anymore? But those of you who have tasted the grace of God, you've been saved from your sin, you have been given something more satisfying, more beautiful, and more. Substantial for your soul. Second scenario is found here in verses 10 through 16. It says, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Here we see the the true brokenness of our nature. We are all dead in our trespasses and sins. We were all blind to the truth, but it's worse than just blindness. It's worse than just being out of focus and missing the glory of God. It is being dead to its glory. Prisoners bound to this world, slaves to your sin, I know this personally. Do you know this personally? The power that sin has over your life, the demands that it makes, it never is satisfied. There's never a point where you say, I think I've had enough. There's always more. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It draws our hearts away. These people The people of God were brought out of slavery, brought out of bondage from Egypt, only to reject the plan that God had for them and then wander around for 40 years. And time and time again, you see throughout the story of the Bible, the people realizing the weight of their sin, the consequences of their sin, and they finally, they cry out to God, as we see in verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the shadow of death, and he burst their bonds apart. It is God who then rescues us from our enemies, He rescues us from our captors. That's what it truly means to be redeemed, to be purchased, to be purchased away from your sin and being brought into the family of God, being a joint heir with Christ, being brought from your death and from your your slavery and being purchased for God. You've been bought with a price, a very high price. The blood of Christ has purchased you didn't come easy, and it wasn't cheap. There's great value in the person who is purchased. As you cry out to God, he hears you, he rescues you in your time of distress, he, he brings you out of the darkness, he brings you into the light, but he also brings you to life. You who were dead are now made alive in Christ. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, now you have not just life, but eternal life. True life. Our call then is to give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love. For His wondrous works to the children of man. For He shatters the doors of bronze. And He cuts into the bars of iron. Don't go back to your slavery. Don't go back to your sin. Your sin has been put to death and you have been brought to life. Now give thanks to the one who has heard your cry and rescued you in your distress. The third story takes us a little bit even deeper talks about the fools verse 17 some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction they loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death here we see the consequences of our sin some physical you know in the time of, of Jesus there was Many who had physical problems, and they equated that with sin. You remember the blind man, right? Who sinned, him or his parents? He was born blind. What caused it? Everything was associated with sin. But here we see a very specific aspect of, of the sin and its destructive nature to your life. It will always demand more. It will al- always ask more for you than you bargained for. And it will end up taking portions of your life, portions of your health, portions of of your family, your community. It'll take more than you're willing to bargain for and it'll leave you high and dry. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've seen the destructive nature of your sin. Broken relationships. Ailments in your life. missed opportunities failures in work it says in verse 19 what do they do they cry out to the lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction See, the grace of God is not just something that simply pulls us out of our wilderness, out of our blissful, unaware nature. It's not just something that brings us from death to life. It restores. The goodness of God, the love of God, doesn't just take you out of the pit and set you on a pedestal. It cleans you up. It gives you purpose and meaning in life. It gives you life, but then it it restores to the way that you were meant to be. This is the grace of God. This is how God works. And this is the testimony of what God has done for you and for me. So let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of men, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds in songs of joy. Our response to having everything restored back to us, is not to keep it to ourselves. You have been invested in. God has deposited the gospel in your life so that you will then share it with others. You will spread this good news so that you will take the the, the resources. When God blesses you and restores the money that you lost in your sinfulness, He restores your wealth. You use that as an investment in the kingdom because it's not yours. When we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, we're we're not struggling to make ends meet here on earth. We are orienting ourselves a reminder that this is not ours. This is an investment that God has given to us for his furtherance, his glory, and his kingdom. And sing, sing of these songs of greatness. Declare this song of joy that your life has been restored. You who were wandering in the wilderness, you who were once dead in your trespasses and sin, you who have seen the effect of of sin in your life have now been restored Declare that good news. Sing your songs of joy. Give glory to the one who heals and who restores. The fourth scenario takes us a little bit deeper. And this might be a little bit confusing as he talks about some who went down to the sea in ships, verse 23, doing business in the great waters. For the Jewish people, they were not a seafaring people. The waters, whenever you see the waters throughout, especially uh, apocalyptic scripture, it is always reference to the troubles and the, the fear of the unknown, the, the things that would scare them in the world in which they lived. It was a very dry and arid land in, in, the, in the fertile crescent, ironically enough. But here when they talk about the waters, Talk about those who would be bold enough to go out into the world, bold enough to go deeper into their own life, their own sin, and their own pride, their own lust, their own flesh, and they've seen the waves. You know, it's even in the midst of these things that the waves come. They see, it says, they see the wonders of God through the waves, the power, The the unsettling nature of being on the water, for anyone who gets seasick, the unsettling nature of being out on the water, that you have no control, you have no grounding, you have no stability, and yet the brashness and the boldness of those to be in rebellion to God with no stability and still cling to the things that they want in their life and the pride and the business and the, the affections of their own pride, their own lust, their own desires... They see the wonders of God, the waves that say they bring them up to the heavens and they take them down into the depths. It says, even they cry to the Lord, verse 28, in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. This might bring you right back to the story of Jesus in the boat with his disciples going across the Sea of Galilee in the midst of the storm. And everyone's panicking except for Jesus. He has the power over all of creation, including the storms in life. He's calm in the midst of the storm because of the power that he has. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. And he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Hear your praise and your worship. What God has done in your life, what he has redeemed you from, pushes you out then to go into your own community and share this good news. Share your story. what God has accomplished in your life so that you might be an encouragement to those who are in your community here is an important thing you need church because you need people in your life that are communicating this gospel truth to you on a regular basis and the church needs you because it needs people who can declare that they have been redeemed on a regular basis They need your testimony. They need to see the power of God in your life as you need to share that with them and hear their stories as well. We need a community to remind ourselves so that we might be oriented to this message, this message of hope. You see, these four areas of destruction, these four areas of darkness in our lives, we have all been rescued from one of these four. But notice the response of man. Four very different stories, four very different illustrations, but notice the response of man is always the same. Verse thirteen, or verse verse six. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. Verse thirteen. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. Verse nineteen. They cried. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Verse 28 Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. It's the same. It's the same that brings us all to the throne of grace. Calling on the name of the Lord. There is no other way to fix your problem, there's no solution to your trouble. You can't just get out of the wilderness by finding a path and finding a door to get out. You can't simply bring yourself to life by waking up yourself. You can't heal your own infirmities, and you can't rescue yourself from the storms of life. But you cry out to God, and He hears you. And then again, our response is unison. It's the same. Verse 8 let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Verse 15, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of men. Verse 21, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of men. And verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of men. Our response is the same. Your circumstances vary, but Your response to God is always the same. Many voices, many stories, one message. One message of hope. Verses 33 through 42 paint for us how the world might view God. He turns rivers into a desert, He takes what is good and He makes it dry springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He also turns a desert into pools of water. See the contrast? A parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and he establishes a city to live in. Here you see the contrast. Yes, yes. God is holy and he can't tolerate sin and he takes takes rivers and turns them into dry beds because it is in your reality of the fact that you can't feed yourself, you you can't quench your own thirst that you will finally call out to God and when he hears your cry, he will answer. This is the providence of God. He is always at work. He is drawing your affections to himself. He's calling you out of your world. All of creation declares the goodness of God. And you who have been redeemed, you have seen your life go from a dry and desert waste to something of meaning and glory. Your thirst is quenched. Your hunger is satisfied. You've tasted the goodness of God. Give thanks. Give thanks to God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Declare this good news. You know, you don't have to be compelled to talk about the things that you worship. You don't. Every Thursday, for lunch, I get a prime rib sandwich. Uh, if you know anything about me, you know, every Thursday for lunch, I get this prime rib sandwich. I drive 20 minutes to Peterson's Market in Yarmouthport to get this sandwich every day and 20 minutes back. What I love about the sandwich is it's so simple. I just shave prime rib, heat it up on a grill, Put on a bun with a little au jus provolone <laughs> cheese on a bulky bun, a little salt, a little pepper. Super simple. It's beautiful. Talk about it all the time. <laughs> all the time. People come up to me and say, where do you get that sandwich? I hear you talking about the sandwich all the time. Where do you get that sandwich? i tell say Peterson's Market. Actually, I was there a few weeks ago, and uh, I was getting a few sandwiches because a few of the people in my, my office wanted to have the sandwich as well. I have to share. It's a good sandwich. All right. and they only had one sandwich left this was noontime. there was only one sandwich left after mine the guy that came after me, was, he got the last one I told the lady, I said you either need to start making more of these or I'm going to have to stop talking about them because I don't want to come on a, two, on, a month, on a Thursday at noon and there not be any prime rib sandwich for me I mean I drove 20 minutes away she said don't worry about it, we'll make one special for you I'm popular laughter People ask me all the time, where do you get that sandwich? Someone even mentioned it this morning. Did you steal your prime rib sandwich? Absolutely. You see, you don't have to be compelled to talk about the things that you love. The things that you love, people are going to want to find out about. You don't have to be compelled to talk about the thing that you worship. Silly illustration, but it's true. It's true. We have been redeemed. Our hunger has been satisfied. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Declare this good news. Verse 43, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them evaluate their life. Maybe you're in one of these scenarios right now. Maybe you're in the wilderness. You don't even know what you're missing out on. Maybe you're dead in your sin. You can't even see any hope in this life. Maybe you're broken by your sin. Your sin has never paid off what it's promised, and you're sick of it. Or maybe in your boldness, you are trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, to fix your own circumstances in life, let me tell you, you can't do it. You shouldn't do it. Not when the price has already been paid. Because Christ went into the wilderness for us. He came into our world. He humbled himself. He lowered himself to come into our world, into this dry and barren land, so you, you might have life so that you might be able to taste and see that he is good. And you who were dead in your trespasses and sin, he became death. He took death upon himself so that you could have life. And you who were broken, broken by your sin, his body was broken as he hung on the tree And your wounds, the things you still carry from the sin of your past life, he still has the wounds in his hands, his feet, and in his side. And you who would be so bold to think that you could save yourself from your own sin. He went in the garden and prayed for you and said, if there's any other way that this cup could pass from me, but there was no other way. He faced his destiny for you. Why? Because God is good. His steadfast love endures forever. If anyone is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you so we've,